Hey, um, this morning is pretty amazing. Hey, it's pretty amazing. This morning marks the beginning of a new era for our church, for Life Church. When we are now a local church in two locations at the same time, right? We're one part, one small part of a global church, which is millions upon millions of Jesus followers who are this very day gathering together to worship and give glory to God. But we're just one local church, but in two places at the same time. We're Life Church in Selwyn, and we're Life Church here at Levita. And some people might be wondering today, how can it be one church in two places? Like, what does that mean? Have we suddenly gained the power of omnipresence? And, you know, what is it that makes Life Church Selwyn the same as Life Church here at Levita? Is it what the building looks like, or, or are the seats the same? We just saw, no, it's a pretty different building and pretty different seats. You guys are pretty lucky that you don't have to fold down blue plastic to sit on this morning, all right? You've got good seats. Did we sing the same songs this morning? Is that what makes the two churches the same? Well, no, actually, most of the songs that we sang this morning uh, were different to what they sang there. Is it the preacher that's the same? Well, no, because I'm preaching here, and out at Selwyn, they've got someone called Carl Croker, I think it is. That's what they... <laughs> I think that's how you say that. Are we preaching the same sermon? Is Carl out there saying the same things as I'm saying right now? No, actually, he's not. We're not preaching the same message today. Is it, is it the lighting that's the same? Is it the order of service? Is it the Life Kids t-shirt? Is it, is it the tea and coffee? Is it the biscuits? That's it. The biscuits are the same. That's what makes Life Church Selwyn and Life Church Levita the same church. No, no, no. It's not any of those things that define Life Church Selwyn or Life Church at Levita. It's not the building. It's not the lights. It's not the sound, the songs, the preacher, the t-shirts, or even the biscuits. In fact, it's not the what, the how, the who, the where, or the when that defines us at all. But it is the why. What defines us and holds these two locations together as one church is that we have a common goal. We have a shared vision. We're on the same mission. We're trying to achieve the same thing. And we're on a mission to fulfill the great commission that Jesus gave at the end of Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Go and make disciples. That's our mission as Life Church, regardless of which place we're in this morning. And at Life Church, we've kind of broken down that mission into three key elements that we believe will help us fulfill it. And hopefully you've heard of these three things before. They'll come up behind me. They are knowing God, loving people, and changing lives. We believe that the key steps to making disciples are to first of all be a disciple through knowing God, to walk out our discipleship through loving others the way God loves us, so that lives would be changed as they in turn become disciples. That is what makes Life Church Life Church. That's what makes Life Church Selwyn and Life Church Levita the same. In case some of you are wondering, are we calling this Life Church Levita? I don't know. I'm just, I have to call it something for today. So just in case you're wondering. 
No matter how different our services might be, no matter how different the people might be, or no matter how much in common the services and the people might be, our shared vision is what makes us the same, makes us one local church in two locations. So over the next few weeks, we want to take the time to just remind us all of this mission that we're on and to talk about these three primary elements of the church's vision, knowing God, loving people, and changing lives. So I want to start by turning to a passage in Colossians where the Apostle Paul is writing. And you can find it in Colossians chapter 1. There's a a passage here. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have heard this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. This passage speaks of the kind of church that we are longing to be. This church written about here is one that knows God. You you see through the passage, it talks about their faith in Christ Jesus. It says, you heard the truth of the good news. You heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news. And we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. This whole passage is about a church that knows God and is longing to know him more. But this church is also one that loves people. It talks about their love for all of God's people. And it talks about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given them. And this church in this passage is one that's all about changing lives. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world that is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed yours. And the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Wouldn't it be great to have somebody write that about our church? Imagine if, I don't know, Brian Houston or T.D. Jakes or, or Beth Moore or somebody wrote a letter to us thanking God for our faith in Him and our love for others, telling us that we'll grow as we learn to know God better and better, and that lives are being changed all over the world as the gospel is going out to them. That is the heart of this church, that the longer you're a part of Life Church, the better you know God and the deeper your relationship with Him. The longer you're a part of Life Church, the greater you have a love for others. And the longer you're a part of Life Church, the more your life is changed and the lives of those around you is changed through the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit. That's what we share at these two locations. That's our desire. So today I want to spend a little bit of time just looking at the first one of those three, knowing God, knowing God. 
Now, knowing about someone and knowing someone are not the same thing. I think we all understand that, right? I mean, take somebody like LeBron James, okay? Or Tom Cruise. Somebody like that. I know a little bit about LeBron James. I know his basketball accomplishments and, and things that he's done. Uh, I, I know of Tom Cruise, right? I've, I've seen his movies. I know I could recognize him, okay? And let's be honest, they probably know about me. Like, they've probably, <laughs> like, heard my music or listened to me preach or something like that. Yeah. So we know, a, we know of each other. I almost got through it with a straight face. We know of each other, but we don't know each other, right? We don't know each other. They, you know, they, LeBron doesn't call me on the weekend and ask if I want to shoot hoops. I tell him, though, that he should be in church anyway. So, Tom Cruise doesn't comment on my Facebook posts or get invited to my kids' birthday parties, right? We, we know of each other, we know about each other, but we don't know each other. James 2, verse 19 says, that, says, You believe that there is one God. Good! Even the demons believe that and shudder. God isn't looking for a relationship where we know of him, or he isn't even looking for a relationship where we know about him, although that's a pretty good place to start because it's hard to know somebody if you don't know anything about them. But God wants us to know him, to have relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. It's God's ultimate desire and plan to have relationship with us. The whole narrative of the Bible begins in the book of Genesis in a garden where God walked with Adam and Eve. You don't just go for strolls in a garden with people that you've heard of or that you know about. You don't even go strolls in the garden with people who are vague acquaintances. You know, hey, how are you doing? Do you want to go for a walk in the garden with me? No, you go, that is, a personal, that is a personal kind of thing to do. God's relationship in the garden with Adam and Eve was deeply personal. That's right at the start. And then at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, the, the whole story of the Bible ends with God dwelling with us and alongside us in heaven. Revelation 21. Look. God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. God desires to know us and to have relationship with us, and he desires that we would know him. Jeremiah 9 This is awesome. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. Knowing God is or should be, the primary purpose and the primary pursuit of our lives. So how do we get to know God? How do we deepen our knowledge and understanding of Him? I've got five thoughts to share with you this morning about that. So we know God through a word, the word from Him. We know God through our identity in Him. We know God through a community with him and others. We know God through prayer to him, and we know God through worship of him. Word from him, our identity in him, community with him and others, prayer to him, and worship of him. 
five things. Word from him. So when you first meet someone, have you noticed that one of the most common starting points in conversation is, what do you do? What's your job? It's kind of often where we start. And we ask them, they, they sort of explain a little bit about themselves. And if the conversation goes well enough, it might progress to interests. What do you like doing? What are your hobbies? And maybe, just maybe, although it's more likely to take more than one meeting, you start to get into opinions. Right? What do you think about something? Right? What somebody says about themselves is generally the first way we start to get to know somebody. And through all of that, you begin to get a partial picture of what somebody is like. And it's kind of the same as we learn about God. What does he say about himself? That's our starting point. What's, what's his job? What does he do? Well, you, you start to find out that oh, he's, he's a creator. He's the author. Okay. Well, what are his interests? What does he like doing? Well, he turns out he's kind of fascinated with people. Okay. And as we read the Bible... As we read his word, as we read more and more of what he says about himself, we understand more and more of who God is, and more of who he is is revealed to us. Knowing God begins with knowing what he's already said to us in his word, and then allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us afresh today. Because as we read, we find so many different aspects of who God is and different facets of his character. At the very beginning, we discover God as creator. But then as we read on, we find God, the Holy One. And then we discover that he is, I am that I am. And then we find out about Jehovah Jireh, God, our provider. And then we discover that his grace is sufficient for us. And we learn that his mercies are new every morning. And we read that he's known us since before we were born. We find that he cares for us, that the very hairs on our heads are numbered. And for some of your hairs, even the days are numbered. We learn of God, our Savior. We learn of God, our King. We find that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We learn that he has chosen us, that he will never forsake us, that he has plans and purposes for us, that he loved us so much that he gave his son for us. And we can find out all of that just by reading his word. What do you say about yourself, God? That's just a tiny, tiny fragment of it. Reading his word is one of the vital keys to knowing God better and better and inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to us afresh as we read that word. Another step in our journey to knowing God better is understanding our identity in Him. The first thing we need to understand is that we were designed and created for relationship with Him. It's part of who we are. We were designed for that. And the next thing we have to understand is that through Jesus Christ, we are children of God. 1 John chapter 3, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, exclamation mark. And that is what we are, exclamation mark. He's making a really strong point here. We are sons and daughters of God. And that changes everything about the way we can approach our relationship with him. He's not a distant stranger or some nameless power. He's our father. My children know that they belong to me. They know that I'm their dad. So their relationship with me is different than their relationship with other people. Mostly it means that they feel they can just whinge and complain more to me. But really, it means that they know that they are safe with me. 
It means that they can rely on me. It means that they can speak openly about they, how, how they truly feel about things with me. Or at least that's my desire as their father, that they would feel comfortable doing those things. And as children of God, not just servants of God, we are able to approach him in the same way. That's our identity in him. We are children of God. Next one, community with him and with others. We know God more by living out our faith, using our gifts and abilities, and walking out our purpose and calling in community with him and others. When we're in community with other believers, we are able to learn more, grow faster, and grow deeper in God. Why do do I say that? Because when we're in community with other believers, they share their experience with us so we can gain understanding faster. When we're in community with other believers, they can help redirect us if we get off track. When we're in community with other believers, we can see God at work in their lives and so see his character and nature revealed in them. When we're in community with other believers, they spur us on towards the goal, towards the mission, towards realizing the vision. It is amazing how much more you can achieve when you have other people pushing you onwards and you're not just trying to do it all by yourself. God designed us to operate that way. Now, a number of years ago, I booked in a series of appointments with a personal trainer at a gym. And you can tell it was a number of years ago just by looking at me. But, but I, I, went to this, I went to this first appointment with the trainer. And at the first appointment, he wanted to run a whole series of fitness and strength tests so that he could assess where I was at and therefore tailor-make a program over the next few months for me so that it would be the most effective uh, and, and meet my needs. So that's what we did on this first day. We did a whole lot of arm stuff and upper body stuff and core stuff and, and lower uh, legs and strength testing and all that sort of stuff, a lot of leg stuff. And, and that's, what, that's what we did for about an hour. Now, you should understand that I hadn't made these appointments with a personal trainer because I'd been going to a gym and just wanted to sort of increase the effectiveness of my workouts. No, no, um, I hadn't been in a gym, to be honest, since high school. And uh, I was kind of starting from, I want to say level one, but that would be overreaching. So I was just starting from nothing. This was just was a, hey, I'm a blob, what, what do I need to do? And so that's why I was there. But because I was there, and because sometimes I can be a fairly determined kind of guy, but more importantly, because I had a personal trainer there pushing me, guiding me, encouraging me, I went all out on these tests. I mean, I was lifting as much as I could and holding it for as long as I could and, you know, pushing as hard as I could. And, and in some ways, actually, I was kind of proud of what I was doing. I mean, some of it was pretty pathetic, but some of the elements I thought were going pretty well considering the circumstances. Anyway, we finished the workout, and we talked through a few things, and we set another appointment, and I was on my way. Now, I I didn't tell you that he was actually, it was just a private gym. This guy had set up a gym out the back of his place, and we knew the family, and and so it was just out the back of his place. And so when I left the, the workout room, I just had to just wandered down the driveway to go out to my car. And so I was walking down the drive, and this incredible thing happened 
right, basically right at the moment that I crossed from their driveway onto the footpath, which was just a coincidence in timing. But, but at this moment, as I'm, I'm walking out, this bizarre thing happened. My brain lost control of my body. <laughs> like, my muscles were no longer responding to the normal instruction set that they would get. You know, so I'm, I'm sort of, I was walking. I was sore. I was stiff, I was, but I was walking. I was sore. And then all of a sudden, like... <laughs> and the worst thing about this is I am not exaggerating anything at all. It was like I had suddenly my muscles just were liquefied. It was incredible. And my legs, I had to stop. And I had to basically go, you have to move from there to there and almost visualize it before I would do it. Yes. I had nothing. My muscles had absolutely nothing left to give. I had to cross the street to get to my car. And I just wasn't sure if that was safe. It was a very quiet street, though, so I was fine. I got over there, and I got to my car, opened the door, and I was like, how do I get in? Like, how do you get into a car if your knees no longer bend? Like, when you want them to. They were bending, just not on command. And eventually, I just stood there. I I turned around a few times. I was like, how do I do it? Eventually, I grabbed the top of the car, got my head under, and then just fell backwards into the car. And then grabbed the steering wheel to pull myself in. I am, I am not joking. This is what happened. And I, I, then I sat in the car for a couple of minutes massaging my leg because I've, I've got to be able to like, put my foot on the brake. So I've got to get enough feeling back in my calf to do that. And then I had to go, I think there was a family, yes, yeah, there was a, a, another family had a kid's birthday party and so we were all going and it was at McDonald's. Yes, I know, I was going straight from the personal trainer to McDonald's. That might have been my problem, possibly. Um, but I got there getting out of the car was the same thing as I had to grip the steering wheel and go, oh, I pushed myself out and got in there, sat in the booth and was like, right, well, I'm sitting here for the next hour because I can't get up until I have to go. Uh, and, and that was what it was like. And the thing is, I, I know this is, this is kind of crazy, but the point is I would never, ever have been able to push myself that hard on my own in that gym if I hadn't had somebody there pushing and guiding and encouraging and that you can do it and all that. Now, obviously, we went a little bit too far, uh, and I couldn't go back for a month. <laughs> oh, man, I've, I wish this story wasn't true. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, but he was able to make me do more because he was there pushing me right. along, and that is how we're designed to do our journey of faith. We're designed to do our journey of faith in a community of other believers who will help push us along and encourage us and encourage us to go deeper in our knowledge of God and encourage us by the things that they've learned that they can share with me and the things that I learned that I can share with them and our knowledge of God goes deeper and deeper and deeper. We learn more of God's grace, more of his love. We learn a lot more about patience. We learn more of his holiness. We learn more of his power when we see him at work in the lives of those around us and hear the testimonies of those who have gone before us. Cool. Next, there is prayer to him. Prayer to him. Because God invites us to dialogue with him through prayer. It's not just a one-way conversation. 
It's very hard to get to know someone or form a relationship with someone if all the communication is only going in one direction. But God not only speaks to us through his word and his Holy Spirit, but he asks us to come to him in prayer and he listens to our prayers. Look at these two passages here, Jeremiah. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And the well-known passage from Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Prayer is the tool that God has designed for his people to communicate with him. And by his spirit, when we are in that place of prayer, he will speak to us and give us peace and impress things upon our hearts. Prayer helps us to know and understand the will of God for our lives for that moment. And prayer is also cooperating with God to see his will accomplished. Some of you might be thinking, yeah, prayer, yeah, we know that. You've got to know God. No, no, that is the delivery system that God has designed for us to communicate with him. So we must use it. And this brings us to the last one, worship of him. Praise and worship, both when you're on your own or when you're gathered corporately to worship, enables us to deepen our knowledge of God in a number of ways. Uh, Firstly, worship proclaims the truth of who he is. And it proclaims the truth of what he has done. Even this morning, we proclaim that God, you are unstoppable. Your glory goes on and on. You can do impossible things. Your kingdom reigns forever. You are Lord Almighty. Nothing else compares to your love. And as we sing songs like that, with declarations of truth, we discover more and more of who God is and what he has done. But worship also declares in faith what he is going to do and how we are going to respond in return. Take my life. Multiply it. You speak, I'm listening. You go, I'm following. Worship positions us in a place that reorders our priorities, that realigns our hearts and minds with the word of God, that leads us to attitudes of thankfulness, repentance, forgiveness, surrender, and a fresh sense of commissioning and dedication to him. But another thing that worship does is it draws us closer to his presence. It's a deliberate decision on our part to step closer to God. The Bible tells us that as we come near to God, he will come near to us. It tells us that God is enthroned on or inhabits the praises of his people. And then we read stories like this from Second Chronicles sorry, 5. It says, The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. His people praised him and worshipped him and declared that he was good, and then the priests could not perform their service because the glory of the Lord was so filling that place. And here's what I love about worship in terms of how it helps us to know God. Because out of our knowledge of God, we worship him. 
So if we've got a revelation that he is good, we can say, God, I praise you because you are good. But as we worship, as we deliberately take that step closer to him, when we're nearer to God we actually, and we start singing these words, we gain deeper understanding and we are closer to his presence and suddenly we get a fresh revelation of God. And our response to that fresh revelation is say, God, you are so merciful. I worship you for your mercy. And as we worship him for this fresh revelation, what do we do? We take a step closer to his presence. And as we step closer, suddenly now we, we catch a greater glimpse of his splendor and his majesty. And we say, God, you are so holy. You're so glorious. I praise you for all you have done. And as I worship again out of this fresh revelation, I step closer to his presence and so on and so on and so on until we worship him and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come right throughout eternity because we will never stop learning more about God. We will never stop knowing him better. We will never get to the end of who he is or the end of his greatness. That's the God that we are learning to know and become more like and that we will worship for eternity. Ben, can I have you come back up? I'm nearly done here. There's just one little thought I want to finish with. Romans chapter 11. A few verses in here from verse 33 to 36. This is one of my favorite little passages in the Bible. I know you don't have favorites. It's all good, but... This one stirs me up. It says this, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him, are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. For from him are all things. He is the creator. He is the author. He is the alpha, the beginning. But everything that has come into existence has come from the heart and mind of God. But through him are all things. All things are sustained by him, given life by him. He is our provider. He is our savior. He is our redeemer. And for him are all things. Everything exists for the glory of God and everything and everyone will end at the feet of him who sits on the throne, our savior king. And that king longs to know us and to be known by us and to have relationship with us. He is worthy of all our praise. He is worthy of all our worship. And for all eternity, we will join with all of creation to lift up the name of Jesus. When we'll see him face to face and know him better and deeper than ever before. And have his glory and splendor and majesty revealed over and over again forever and ever and ever. Would you stand with us? I just want to pray for a moment. Lord, we thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that you are a glorious God. We thank you that you are our creator, but you are also our savior, that you are our provider and you are our redeemer.
that you are holy, but that you are full of grace, that you are merciful, and that you long to have relationship with us, that you are our friend, but you are our king. And Lord, we come to you again today, desiring more of you, desiring and longing for more knowledge of you, desiring and longing for a deeper relationship with you, that we can lift our voices with all of creation across all of eternity and proclaim the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, the name that is above, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord and he is worthy of our worship, he is worthy of our praise and he will reign forever and ever and ever and ever. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord.